Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, and I have another archive interview from the Time Machine for you. It's with Timmy Gatlin, original member of the R&B group Guy, and later solo artist, along with a songwriter and producer. In this interview, you get to hear why he left Guy, how he came about his solo career, and everything that was going on up to the point when this interview was recorded, which was around between the years of 05 and 2009. It was a rare sit down because Timmy rarely gives interviews. So this is definitely a treat for all of the guy and New Jack Swing lovers. I got to send a big special shout out to my boy, Brandon Wright, a.k.a. New Jack Kid, for helping set up this interview for me. So enjoy this one. And also be sure to tune in this Sunday for an exclusive interview with Emil Gantos. You get to hear his backstory on how he became a big songwriter producer and also how the hit single I'm Blessed for Charlie Wilson came about. So once again, that goes live this Sunday, midnight at your local time zone. You can catch Beyond the Album Cover on Anchor. Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. But right now, here's a Time Machine archival interview with Timmy Gatlin. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Jay Mason, inside the Time Machine on WUAG 103.0 FM, playing the best in new and old school hip-hop, R&B, and everything else in between. With me on the phone right now, I have Timmy Gatlin, one of the original members of the New Jack Swing pioneering group, Guy, solo artist, and he's written various songs for Bell Biff DeVoe, among others. Mr. Gatlin, welcome to the Time Machine. Hey, how you doing, Jay? How's everything going with you? Everything's going lovely in the Carolinas. This is a mild, crisp, cool autumn day, so how's things going out in Cali? Everything is fine. It's just sunny. It's just nice. I'm working, so that's good. All right, so so you're on your grind right now. Correct, correct. I, under, correct. Understand that. Now, tell the people, when did you get your start singing? Oh, well, we. Uh, I'm from New York City uh, in Manhattan, and uh, Teddy and I, uh, we were young kids together, and we used to, you know, uh, get involved in a lot of local concerts, a lot of local shows out in, in New York, and, uh, you know, we just love music, and uh, we got our start when uh, uh, a guy by the name of Gene Griffin discovered us uh, singing. We used to be part of a nine-piece band, and then all of a sudden, you know, he picked the three three members out of that band out, and it was myself, Teddy, and a guy by the name of Clarell Henderson, and that started Kids at Work. That was on CBS Records, and that's how we got our start singing. Okay, that record is actually on eBay right now with singing, Hey, yeah, I mean, if you go on eBay, you can see yourself and Teddy looking all young with the Jerry Curl juice dripping in the, <laughs> in the tight stirrups, singing, Hey, yeah. This was before y'all were definitely like, hit puberty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was a long time ago, yeah, but that's how we got our start, you know. Oh. Back then it was very, and back then it was like you know, it, it was uh, for our parents and stuff. It was like a, a new beginning, and it was amazing. So that was good. That started everything off. Right, and I believe Gene Griffin, he was like doing this thing with uh, I believe Sunny Records, and the record they had put out was I Wonder Why He's the Greatest DJ. I believe. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Okay, and um, indeed, yeah, they were the same group that did last night. The DJ saved my life, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Same group. All right, same group. Now, how did the formation of Guy come about? Well, the formation of Guy came about uh, as we got older and we moved from uh, to you know young men. Uh, Teddy and I went off, and even though we still remain close, close, close friends, uh, we went off into different endeavors. And Teddy 
started to produce a lot of rap groups. Uh, he did uh, 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 Kumo D. He did Raps uh, A New Generation. And he was doing Heavy D at the time. And uh, with, with massive beats, massive beats. But uh, I was also writing R&B for other artists, like Orange Juice Jones and, and the Force from D's. And so we decided that let's hook back up and see what we could come back up with, you know, see if we was really interested in putting it together a group again. At that time, Corral Henderson, who wanted to pursue his solo career, left the group because he didn't want to really be confined to what Teddy and I was trying to do. And so we found, I found a guy named Aaron Hall in Brooklyn, New York, who worked at a, a shoe store, Abraham and Strauss. And at the time I was working there as well in the lady shoe department. And he sung for me and I discovered him and I brought him to Teddy and we all had a meeting up. We all met up. And then I was the one who wanted to put the rap, hard rap riveting beats with the writings of R&B music and see how it would work out. And I think God was one of the first R&B acts that really did that, that had that hard rap beat with the R&B singing. Right, definitely was, because R&B prior to God was very plush, very Urban AC, Luther, Anita Baker, Freddie Jackson. Exactly, exactly. You, you know your stuff. And so, you know, us being young, we wanted to... We loved R&B music. We loved all those acts. We loved uh, R&B, R&B period. But we just wanted to ha we wanted it to have a little more edge. We wanted it to be hard. We wanted it to define where we were coming from. So we just added that. We combined what Teddy was doing with my writing skills and with Aaron vocals. Mm. Now, and that started. God blessed us, and that started something brand new. Now tell me about some of the songs that you wrote that you wrote for Orange Juice Jones and Foursome D's. Well, I wrote uh, uh, for the Foursome D's. We did a song in a we did a song in a movie called After Twelve. I did uh, a ballad on their record, and then for Orange Juice Jones, uh, I did If You Don't Want Your Money, Honey, uh, for Orange Juice Jones, and then from there we did I'll Be Sure. We did it from Not Your Lover, from and from there. Uh, we just started writing for other people, and then we, you know, and in that process of God, of God really hitting, we didn't ex expect, we knew we was going to have some success locally. We was always confident that we were one of the baddest young bands out because it just wasn't a farce. We actually played our instruments. Like, I'm a bass player, keyboard player. Teddy was a keyboard player, a phenomenal keyboard player. And Aaron played keyboards. A lot of people don't know Aaron was a is a great keyboard player as well. So you had three musicians, young musicians, who also write song and had a flair for style. Mm. You know, I mean, we wasn't we didn't have a stylist, a stylist. No one put us together. We loved to dress. We loved we was right right in the crust of what was happening in New York at that period and that time. Right, so tell me about the making of the landmark debut album, which I believe came out in 88, right? Correct, correct. Which March of 88. March of 88. It had the hits, Groove Me, I Like. Pretty much that whole album was like hot from front to back, A side to B side, and like when Groove Me came on, a lot of people probably thought, hey, this sounds very similar to the Gap Band because Aaron's vocal styles was very similar to Charlie Wilson. Well, that's what... Uh, we didn't intentionally go wanted to go that way, but when I met Aaron, 
I mean, that that's immediately who he reminds me of. I mean, immediately. And not just singing like Charlie Wilson, but uh, capturing the essence, the whole style. As soon as Aaron opened up his mouth, it was like, bam, that was it. I mean, you couldn't go around it. So what Teddy and I tried to do is not uh, 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 move away from that and not try to hide it, but just bring some a new element to it that if you were if the Gap Band were were to put out a new record, this is what they would do, and that's what that's the direction we moved in. Mm. Now the first record, basically landmark, and when it comes to the album cover, it's you, Aaron, and Teddy, and then once we see the Groove Me video. Aaron's brother Damon was in the video. Now tell me a little bit about that situation. Yeah, and it was a uh, that was hard. You know, it was heartbreaking for me because Teddy and I. You have to remember, Teddy and I have been together ever since we was you know eleven and twelve years old, and it was very heartbreaking for me because I didn't want to break up. Everybody getting the story twisted of how I actually left. I left because it was almost forced out by the manager because I didn't agree with a lot of what man Gene Griffin who was the manager at the time, was manipulating the group and wanted us to do. And I was very, even back then, I was very contract savvy. Uh, at the point in time, I was the head of the group. And so as soon as we directed, as soon as we signed a contract with Andre Harrell, as soon as we uh, put our names on the dotted line, immediately the the power of, the, the the power of command started to change, and uh, Gene Griffin started to become a lot more vocal, a lot more wanting to be a part of it, a lot more. I didn't agree that Gene Griffin was a part writer on songs. He didn't write anything. Why is he a part writer on our songs? And for some reason, he started to spend a lot of more, a lot more time with Teddy, and him and Teddy started to partner up on a lot of things that shouldn't have been at that particular time. And I confronted them on it. Mm. So basically, it was like, you know, they were in cahoots and you kind of like caught their hands in the cookie jar. Exactly. I mean, immediately I did it. And so he didn't like it. And so him and Teddy, at the time, Aaron was very neutral. Aaron was very neutral. I mean, this Aaron been waiting for success for a long time because Aaron was a year or two older than Teddy and I. And so he was neutral. He didn't know what to do or what to say. He was just hungry for the success. And Teddy, at the time, I was real surprised at the time that Teddy went that route because Teddy and I was close, like brothers, and you know. But Gene was older, so he knew how to manipulate the situation, and you know that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we heard about you know the bitter fallout between Guy and Gene Griffin on their sophomore album, 1991, 90 or 91, The Future, with tracks like "Got to Be a Leader" and "Total Control." Exactly. Well, that's what happened. You know, that's the. That's that. That's the uh, essence of what happened from uh, what I saw early. I saw early on, and you know, thank God that they saw it later. But the sad thing is, you broke up a, a incredible group. You know, it's almost like what happened to uh, uh, what happened to uh, NWA. A lot of great groups. I mean, you know, you have these great artists with great chemistry and talent, and it. You know, sometimes you have to go that road, but. Uh, I'm glad they saw what happened, but I saw it a little bit early, and I knew what was going to take place. If he could manipulate me and manipulate me against Teddy, 
eventually he was going to try to take over everything. And sooner or later, Teddy and Aaron, the blunt of his, you know, power. Mm -hmm. So you think he also used those same tactics for his other groups like Today and Basic Black? Oh, I know because Today used to be under us. I mean, when you got to remember when God came out, uh, we still had, we were going to, uh, like today, like Big Bub, and then we had groups that we developing that we liked. I mean, they was hanging around us during the process of the making of God. You know, I came up with the name God. I mean, it was, it was, and I'm not just saying it, it was my doing. I mean, it used to be a store on 125th Street at the time in 8th Avenue called Guy LTD, a men's clothing store. So our style came from that, and I named the group Guy. And at the time, a lot of uh, at the time a lot of you know, Teddy and we had a, a a guy that played a major major part with us. A guy by the name of David Peasley, who was a he wrote for Dance Music Magazine. He did interviews for that, and uh, he supported us a great deal. And uh, he uh, no one liked the name. No one liked the name, and so it finally stuck after a while because no one could pick a, pick a better name or no one could pick a name, period. So I came up with the name, and it stuck. And It was all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Yeah, now, did you guys expect the whole New Jack Swing sound to take off as big as it was? Because Johnny Kemp and Keith Sweat kicked it off with Just Got Paid and Make It Last Forever, and then basically guys just came and bust the door down. Yeah, well... You gotta remember, uh, Keith Sweat is a Keith Sweat is phenomenal. Uh, Keith Sweat is one of the one of the pioneers of the, 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 the at that time '80s of the young Keith. We lived five blocks from each other, so during the making of Keith Sweat, and Teddy was involved with it, and Teddy took a lot of hours. At the time, we was writing for other people, but Teddy was Teddy took the sound that. We created that him and I created a lot of and gave you know and, and put a lot of the the backbeats and stuff on Keith Sweat record and Keith Sweat we were friends we were from the same neighborhood five blocks away from each other I lived on 120th in Morningside Avenue Keith Sweat lived on 125th in Morningside Avenue and Teddy lived on 127th and and Seventh Avenue so we were all in the same and Johnny Kent was from that area too so we were all from that same proximity you know. Mm. It's a small world after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all from that same place. And Keith Sweat opened up the door with his first album, you know? Mm. Okay, now, okay, you leaving Guy at that point. Basically, Bobby Brown's taking off, New Edition Heartbreak taking off, Troop on the scene. And then tell me about the making of your debut solo record. <laughs> well, the making of the solo record for me was, uh, I wish I would. I wish I would have been focused like I was, but I think that uh, after I left Guy, I should have put more into the solo record. Uh, but it was during that time where I wasn't really as focused on the solo record as I was producing other artists. Mm. And uh, I did Keep Sweat second album, the first single on his second album, Make You Sweat. Mm. And I wrote that, and at the time I was doing Belle Biv DeVoe. At the time I was doing Christopher Williams. Uh, I did uh, uh, ooh, I did uh, Stephanie Mills. 
And so it was, I was really up in there. So I was caught up into the limelight and whatever. And at the same time, Tommy bought Monica Lynch, Tommy bought Records, and Tom Silverman signed, signed me to a solo artist. So I had to do a solo uh, a solo. So I just did, I was running from place to place. So I just did what I thought was right. And I thought that, the, you know, the first five or six singles, if you listen to the records, powerful songs, you know? Mm hmm help and cheating and those songs to me were very very powerful I, I, I'm sad that it didn't hit like it was supposed to but then again I wasn't promoting it like I was supposed to so. right and um, how did you come about writing Woman I'll Sm See you Smile Again for BBD which also I believe co-written by Alton Wookie Stewart yeah that was my buddy uh, Alton Wookie Stewart great singer great arranger great background singer uh, in his own right uh uh, it's a song that I wrote. I mean, I, you know, I sit to the piano and, and and a song that I, you know, write from experiences or whatever, and uh, they happened to hear it. We had a meeting with them up at Universal Studios, Universal, uh, MCA Records, and at the time, Lil Silas Jr., who played a great part in my career along with Cassandra Mills, Lil Silas was the uh, uh, vice president of black music up at MCA, and at the time they were doing the uh, Bell Biv DeVoe record because Ralph had his solo deal. They was coming off the Any Heartbreak album. Everyone branched off. Bobby, as you know, hit big. Ralph Tresbaum was doing a record. Mm -hmm. and, and and Johnny Gill did a solo record, so that left Bell Biv DeVoe, the, two the three unexpected members of New Edition, to really hit as big as they did. So they heard this, a couple of songs, and they actually picked five. But we only was able to put two on the record. And that and um, I believe what was I need you the other record. Yeah, I need you and when will I see you smile again? Okay, two very big ballads and basically Bell Bill DeVoe. They basically had the second biggest success out of New Edition as Bobby Brown. Exactly. You know your stuff, man. Exactly. Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of that period. Now, what was your opinion on Troop out of California? Basically, they were like the West Coast New Edition, and their dance style was more street, as New Edition was very Temptation-esque. Yes, exactly, exactly. Troop, well, I know Steve Russell, and Steve Russell and I uh, uh, did one or two songs together. He worked with me on Jasmine Guy record, um, another Like My Lover, okay. and... Um, he also did songs for the Whispers and whatever he did song for B2K. Uh, he just did a Chris Brown record off the wall, and uh, he's a great. Uh, Steve one is a major major talent. Steve Russell's good. He's a singer. He's a singer singer. Uh, he's a hard hard worker, you know. And he's a grinder, and he put his you know, mm. and he still st somehow remained in the game because he loved the business. Right, yeah, uh, definitely that. He's a great and Troop. Uh, to answer your question, yes, Troop was like very much street dancers, you know, street dancers who, you know, two, three, four, four of the members that can actually sing like John, John, Allen, and Steve were were the main three singers mm -hmm. of that group. But yeah, they was more street oriented, you know, and they had a big record that Chucky e. Booker produced for them called, you know, Spread My Wings, which hit big. Mm -hmm. One. And the remake from the you know the Jacksons, all I do, mm. which hit big. So right. you know, it was a big, it was a good group. De definitely were a great group. One of my influence influences along with New Edition, but I believe some of the underrated groups of the New Jack period were uh, High Five, Foursome D's, and Riff. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Riff. That was a uh, 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 
what you call them, Levert, Gerald Levert group, I believe. Riff. The what? Were they? No. No, that was Rude Boys. Yeah, Rude Boys. Right, right. My mistake. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about Riff, the guys that was from Lean On Me in the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Riff. Yeah, they came and went though quick, but they was a good group. Mm -hmm. They was a real good group. Right, and everybody thought High Five was like going to be big because basically I like the way and she's playing hard to get. Both of those tracks were R&B and pop hits. Right, right. Well, uh, a lot of those songs during that period of time, you know, uh, I like the way and Teddy was still, we still had a lot of songs at the archives that I had written. I mean, we wrote so many songs. And a lot of those songs, even a song he did for Boy George, Don't Take My Mind on a Trip, that was a song we were written together that Teddy was still, you know, giving a different artist. But as far as High Five is concerned, and I heard that Tony, you know, I just found out not too long ago that Tony Thompson passed away. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a great singer, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. His debut album, Sexational, off of Giant, I it had some of the big-name heavyweight producers like Chucky Thompson, Babyface, Puffy, and it's sad that it didn't blow up like that because I Want to Love Like That was a hot single. Yeah, and I, I didn't know that he had all the personal problems that he had. Yeah, man, because um, I had read, like, online, I found out that he passed away. It was through, like, one of those media rumor sites, and I was like, nah, it's a joke. So I went to, like, an official site, like, okay, he, he died. Then come to find out that he was, he died basically, like, huffing Freon. Yeah, the hustling Freon. Yeah, and basically, like, um, out of all the artists I've been interviewed in the past three years of doing this show, it basically just showed me, like, this business, if you don't have your mind right, it could eat you, eat you up. Destroy you if you don't have your mind right, and if you're not, if you're not with God. I mean, I think God has been so good to me. God has been my all in all. Uh, Teddy and I have talked about it over a period of time about you know getting back together, and we've talked about God, and we've talked about you know our relationship with Jesus Christ, and, I, and with my family, with my family, my wife, and, and you know Jesus and Jesus Christ, and people who really. Still, you know, are my true friends. I mean, that that has held me up. And the fact that God still allows me to work in this business and, and play this game, you know, that right. I've been able to really take care of my family and make right choices, you know. Right. And it's tough for, a lot for other people who lose their way, you know. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, now tell me about the group Legent. Yeah, again, Legent was a group that uh, my solo record, even though it didn't, you know, it didn't have big notoriety or whatever. It was still very, very, very pop popular. It still sold over 400,000 copies. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, Benny Medina at the time, Benny Medina, who was the president up at Warner Brother Records, mm -hmm. because Warner, Brother, Bro Warner Brothers was the major to Tommy Boy Records. They was, you know, Tommy Boy was a subsidiary. Subsidiary. Warner, right, to Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. So... Benny Medina and Ernie Singleton, they called me up to the office and basically they wanted to give me another uh, 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 record. And so I, and, and Leonard Richardson, who was, you know, if I could see him again, he, he was an attorney, but he was also an A&R up at Warner Brother Records during that time. And he supported me like none other. He really believed in us and whatever. And I didn't do him, I don't really believe that I did him justice because, again, so much money was passed my way at the time. And I was doing, at the time, 
you have to remember I had the number one record on Keith Sweat. I was working with all these other artists. Mm. I was doing big woken. I had separated, but I just was, it was big things was happening. And uh, so Warner Brothers gave me this money to put together. And instead of putting together another solo record, I said, well, let me give my brother and them opportunity to really hit. And I should, you know, I don't regret doing it, but at the same time, I regret doing it because if you don't understand this business and you're not in it for the love and, you, you know, you don't know what this business you know, until, you know, and you just think it's about parties and money. You can get caught up in that as well. And I think I allowed Lady Gent to do that. I mean, great talent, great talent with Ron Wilson, Scott Weatherspoon, Eric, and Larry Gatlin, I think, who was my brother at the time, who was my brother. Uh, they got into this. They loved it, but they basically entrusted me mm-hmm. with their careers. And uh, But they didn't really know about the hard, hard work. Right, they just only saw like the one, you know, like the one side of it. What the TV shows you? Exactly, and I almost spoiled them too because I, when they came into it, you know, big advances and clothes and so basically, clothes. in the words of Jim Jones, balling. <laughs> exactly, and uh, so you know, but it didn't happen. That again, that record didn't happen like it was supposed to happen, and yeah. uh, I think that was a devastating. It, it wasn't a shock to me. Because I did a lot of wrong things that I would I never did before that, yeah. and never will do again. Right. You know, I learned from that mistake. Right. So basically, like, yo, we popping champagne every night. We popping bottles like we winning the championship. We going to the spotlight. You know, we wearing our dapper dance suits and all that good stuff. Exactly, my man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So basically, y'all were living the Nino Brown lifestyle from New Jack City. For real that hard and uh, I kind of feel like kids in my era it's kind of like in 10 20 years from now are we going to be singing crank that soldier boy it I kind of feel like you know me I was born in 85 so I was like a little kid and like right. doing new jack and basically I came of age doing hip-hop soul and basically it kind of feels like my era is kind of like are we going to have like a song like peace of my love or can't stand the rain or groove me 10 20 years from now from this generation because in the state of the music business right now record sales are down and it's a shame that it has to take something like a battle between Kanye and 50 to help rejuvenate record sales a bit well I- I'll tell you what and, and you know, I wish this uh, 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 I, I wish this uh, uh, broadcast can go uh, over, you know, across nationally, and, and they can really hear what I'm saying right now because I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We have put so much into these kids talking about, you know, you know how to disrespect women, how to disrespect girls, diamonds, balling, uh, champagne, caviar, get your money, man. Robin, this and that, that rap, we allowed rap, which is, I love rap. I love rap for what it was. I love rap for what it is. I love different artists of rap. I'm a big fan of Jay-Z's. I'm a big fan of Fitty. I'm a big fan of uh, of Dr. Dre. I'm big, I was a big fan of Tupac, Biggie, and all that. But at the same time, you can't take away from R&B and put everything in the one pot. And when you put everything in the one pot and that dissipates, you have nothing left. They took everything from the singer's standpoint and R&B standpoint and gave it over to rap and let rap basically dictate the whole entire industry. 
and no one was certain. They ain't uh, VPs and, and and presidents have labeled. Even now, it's kind of hard to get a a dope, a tight R&B record. You only got two or three back when we was in '88, even in the '90s. You had an onslaught of different artists that you could pick from. Now the only thing you got is a Chris Brown, Neo. Mm. If that, and Amaria, if that, right. that represent the R&B. Mm. And you have Rihanna and Beyonce, but it's only that you could count on one hand the different artists that's really repping R&B. Mm. So you know, before you had, you couldn't, you couldn't remember them all because it was so many. You had in everything from Keith Sweat to Johnny Kemp, Freddie Jackson, Luther Vandross, Anita Bray Baker, Mint Condition, Guy. True, Levert, you know. And so basically, nowadays it's very scarce, limited selection. And but it's it's it, you can see it in the uh, numbers. You can see it in the numbers. And now the record sales and everything is down because you have nothing else. If that's not like that in the uh, uh, country department, it's not like that in the pop department. Mm-hmm. So why does it have to be like that in the black department? Yeah, yeah. You I, know. Yeah, I kind of kind of you on that one. Now this single. Tell me about sweat drops with Keith Sweat. I mean, when you hear sweat drops, you just automatically think junior high, high school dance, people sweating, grinding, last dance of the night, somebody ready to get lucky and turn on dot box and be fresh, show love at the end of the night. Well, that was one of the first songs that I've written, like one one of the first songs that I've written when I was recording the solo album. I think one of the best songs that really didn't have a chance to really shine, but it, I love that song. Sweat drops? I love, I love that song, and, uh, and that's exactly what I was thinking of. Exactly what I was thinking of. Like, uh, but only I was thinking about, like, in New York where you have those basement parties. and Blue light basements? Yeah, them basement parties and them, you know, them clubs, them, them uh, center parties, you know, them yeah. youth center parties where, you know, the lights go down and you rubbing and it's the last two, three songs of the night and it's slow and you got the one you want to be with and that's where that whole song came from right right you can definitely feel that like in, in like the song and uh also too what was your thoughts on uh dino a white white pop artist who basically had r&b undertones with i like it in the very i'll be sure-esque 24 7 i think dino was good i really think he was good i think he was manufactured mm-hmm. i think he really loved music and i think that uh the R&B music can influence him, but at the time, I think, like, the higher echelon people that was running whatever record company he was on, I think it was manufactured for him for, like, they've been doing since the beginning of time to get a white artist to really emulate black music. Yeah, like Elvis. So you pretty much kind of feel like the same way with New Kids. I, I think he made some noise. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he did what he was supposed to do. Same thing they did with Vanilla Ice with Pamela. They always do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And same thing with New Edition and New Kids. Exactly. The same way. The same the same thing, you know. Yeah, basically just, okay, sub five blacks, five whites, bigger success. Exactly. I mean, but they've been doing it since the beginning. The Jackson 5, you had the Osmond. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a, you know... Uh, 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 James Brown and all that you get Elvis, so mm. same thing. Right. So basically, um, what are you up to nowadays? Still singing, writing, performing, or just laying low? 
Heck no, no, no. I have my own publishing company, production company. I have two groups that's coming out. I just worked with Amarion and Marcus Houston. We have two songs in their movie coming out, uh, coming out, Someone Like Me. Uh, and so they have a new movie coming out in October, and we have two songs on that. I'm working with a group right now but uh, that's called Man's View. I'm working with a young girl, Brittany, who's going to be phenomenal. I'm also working with uh, a young cousin of mine called Candace Jones, who's phenomenal. And so we're working on that right now and, and putting that all together. And, and I love writing again, pro producing, and, and now the record company is ready to talk. And so everything is going beautiful right now. Right. And how do you feel about now, 1987, 2007, 20 years, New Jack? <laughs> When you in it, you don't think, you know, when you're young like that, you think, you know, you can't even think of 20 years away. And, and this is what I hope. I hope without it. Hold on just one minute. Hold on just uh -huh. one minute. Hello? Yeah. I'm back. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, now what, what was the question again? 1987 to 2007. Can't you believe that it's been 20 years since the birth of New Jack Swing? Okay, that's that's my phone. I think that uh, you can't even think of uh, 20 years ago when you're trying to when you're trying to make a you know record. You just want to do the best you can when you're young, and 20 years seem like you know light years away. But you know, it happened, and it's good. And what I hope for it, I hope that, you know, there's a chance that I'm not just still dwelling on it because I don't know how it is, but I really like rock, big, massive rock groups do. Mm. I wish, not just in a small way, because Keith Sweat just has a, a thing where Fever United, Teddy, and Johnny Gale, I mean, Johnny Gale and Johnny Kemp and stuff when he did the sweatshop, you know, mm. I mean, the sweat hotel. Mm-hmm. And did together, but I hope that Teddy, myself, Aaron, Damien have an opportunity before any tragic thing happened, like Gerald Levert or whomever. Mm. Have an opportunity to really get back together. Right, because definitely, guy, definitely sentimental. You know, peace of my love, let's chill. Basically, the first, the future, and the debut album, classics, and R&B. Yes. yes, and I think that it has. I think we, you know, we. Uh, 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 carved out a place in music history. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, God blessed us to do, and I, I really believe in my heart that if not for a long tour, if not for a, even even not a short tour, I think that right now with technology and everything, we have, there's opportunity out there for us, Teddy, myself, Damien, and Andrew, to really get back together and do a massive concert. Be a two or three days, just do a massive concert, go into deep rehearsals, you know, and just where everybody is taken care of, everybody, and we could give the public back, you know, what we gave them in 88 and 90, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, now how can people get in contact with you? Do you have a MySpace page or anything or official website? Yeah, well, we're putting it up now, but, you know, we're putting my MySpace page up now, matter of fact, as we speak. Okay. And uh, so uh, right now, you know, people get in contact with me, you know, just uh, make comments and stuff. I still have, uh, uh, you know, you could go to the Google, you could go to Yahoo, you could go to Google, you could go to, you know, 
uh, you know, the same way you YouTube, you know, and make comments. Mm. You know, make comments, talk to me or whatever, and I look on it, you know, every other day, every now and then, and I will answer you back. Okay. Now, do you have any shout-outs that you want to give before we conclude this interview? Hey, thank you for really uh, knowing the history of, of New Jack and, and knowing the history. I never really wanted to label ourselves, but it took on a life of its own. And mm. So, you know, thank you for knowing the history and really knowing the history and really, you know, seeking artists out to come and talk on your show and making them feel important and, and letting them know that, you know, the music wasn't in vain. And also, you know, you, right now, you know, young and whatever, innovator yourself, you know, you can connect the two, you know, you can create the bridge between, you know, yesterday and today, so mm. that's very important. I appreciate it, and a special thanks goes to Brandon, New Jack Kid out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and your daughter Tiffany Gallon for making all this possible. Hey, I appreciate it, Jay. And you take care. Love you, man. And uh, thank you. And tell all the fans that we still love you, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Time Machine exclusive, Timmy Gatlin, original member of the R&B group Guy, songwriter, singer. Mr. Gatlin, thank you for doing this interview and hang on the line. Love it. All right.